Hi everyone and welcome to Riskologists. This podcast is brought to you by Optimize and hosted by me, Pat Bradshaw. Optimize are thrilled to host this podcast series where we'll be speaking with some of risk management's most respected and esteemed thought leaders from across the UK and beyond. Throughout this series, we'll be exploring our guests' journey within risk management, as well as delving into their unique insights and invaluable first-hand experiences around some of the industry's most pressing topics. Our goal? To create a platform in which ideas and thoughts can be shared in order to inspire and educate our audience and to ultimately give back to the risk management community across the world. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Briscologists. As always, I'm your host, Pat Bradshaw, and today joined by a really special guest, and that's Chantel Morissette. Chantel, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for the invite. <laughs> no problem. The pleasure's all ours. Pleasure's all ours. So um, I think, as, as always, Chantel, a logical place to start with these things, just to give everyone a bit of context, is a little bit of a journey to date, really. So how you got into risk management and then just a bit of a timeline of your career and um, which led you all the way up to this very point recording this podcast. So, yeah, fire away. So this, the journey started in the year 2000. <laughs> <laughs> Me in university studying industrial engineering and I really liked that one because it was a mix of engineering and business. And that led me to do some consulting for government and private entities, mostly in um, process optimization, it was at the beginning. Okay. Um, and that led me to do the mining industry, actually. Oh, amazing. <laughs> a very, very interesting industry. Um, I learned a lot there. And, um, and then I went on to project, project management. And I started with the more commercial side of things. Uh, contracts, outsourcing, um, also, and there I had a really strong curiosity of how what I do impacts the objective, like yeah. how the shaping of the contract of the deal will impact um, us achieving the objectives, meaning them doing what they are supposed to do, <laughs> doing on time, no litigation, no claims, uh, pay them on time, happy story for both parties. Yeah. And on that journey, I discovered, okay, yes, there's many things that in the commercial and engineering side um, will determine that there is less likelihood for us to be in trouble. And that's, for me, that's kind of this, where this curiosity for risk management started because I, I didn't want to get in those troubles of having to deal with a claim. Yeah. Um, and then the opportunity appeared. I mean, I did my MBA and, um, and, and, the, and, and I went a bit on business development. And then there was a, a position available for risk management. And um, I took it and I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and the I rest, as they say. <laughs> and the rest is history. And of course, the optimization process part also helped. Um, everything fell into place. Yes, I love it. And then I continue um, reading and understanding more about facilitation and the people side of things as well. So that's the journey today. Amazing. Oh, but also, thanks to the project management part, I had the beautiful opportunity to work in uh, different countries. So in Canada, Peru, Dominican Republic and the UK. 
Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've spoken, a couple of the guests I've spoken to have, um, have sort of risk management's led them all over the world. And, and I must admit, I'm really passionate about travel. So I think it's, um, I think it's an amazing opportunity, not just an amazing career, but it can, it can lead you to all corners of the world. Like, um, like you mentioned, one of the optimized partners, Paul Disley, we had on recently, he's been from doing like gold mines in Chile to the Petronas Towers in Malaysia and all that sort of stuff. So, so yeah, it, it's, um, really is an amazing opportunity, isn't it? Yes, it is. And also how uh, this big project changes the culture, the local culture. So for example, in Dominican Republic, I remember when we started there, um, we saw people in motorbikes that the headlight wasn't working, that they were carrying a whole bunch of things, that at night you have a hard time to, to see them. And then three years down the road, they are wearing a safety vest, their headlight is working and it's not people that work with us but they are part of the community so you know you influence the community absolutely yeah absolutely and I think it's really important that risk management has a huge part to play in like you say not just influencing the community but how particular projects might interact with the local community and um, like you say if you're going into these um these developing countries to, I don't know, do like a mining project or something that you, you've got to act responsibly and, and, um, and it can be quite easy to, well, in, especially in olden times to just sort of exploit that. But I think risk management has played a huge part in, in, in sort of changing that for the better as well. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Okay, cool. So Not that I have anymore is something positive. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I forgot to mention actually, uh, Chantal, I think you're the first guest I've had on the podcast that's come from a different time zone. Um, so that's a, uh, <laughs> that's a first for us. Where, where are you joining us from this morning? Sorry. Montreal, Canada. Montreal, Canada. Is that where you're from originally? Yes. Amazing. Yeah, I was, um, uh, to be honest, most people I've spoken to so far have been UK based, but we've got a few, a few guests lined up who are overseas. So yeah, no, it's, uh, that's, you're the first person to take that title. <laughs> cool. Um, so as everyone can probably tell from the, the title of the podcast today, we're, we're talking around something really interesting, which is the myths around risk management. So I think this, this episode will be really interesting for not just risk professionals, but also people who have a close relationship with risk management, but don't necessarily work exclusively with it as their day job. Um, so hopefully this will either debunk some of the things that or the misconceptions that they have, or um, will at least raise a bit of thought. So just before we, we jump into that, Chantal, I think it'd be a good place to start is, I guess, just defining risk management. So from your perspective, whether it's obviously your own interpretation or a bit of a boilerplate definition, what is risk management? Yeah, so yeah, I will avoid, try to avoid the boilerplate one. And uh, I will say that, first of all, it's a discipline. Yeah. Like uh, I have seen organizations that they do it once, you know, like, okay, we have a risk register. How long ago have you done it? Two years ago, it's just this. You're not doing risk management. You have the illusion of doing risk management. Yeah. So that's the first part that is a discipline and uh, once a year, even once a year is not enough in my humble opinion. Yeah. Uh, it protects the company objectives. That's why you do it. You want to protect the company, the organization, the project you're working on, and you try to manage uncertainty. This like, it may or may not happen. It could have positive or negative effects because that's what happened in real life. You have events uh, that are curveballs that are thrown at you. And sometimes in few instances, you're not even sure if it will be good or bad. Yeah. Like change in law. 
initially you think oh, it will be really bad, but then when you analyze it properly, you come to the conclusion, maybe it will be positive. So that's where risk management comes in, managing uncertainty. Yeah, no, I think I think a question, um, apologies, it's a little bit off the cuff that I'd be interested <laughs> to hear your answer to is, I always, well, I don't struggle with so much of it anymore, but if I'm, say, for example, out for drinks with friends or something and they say, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that question? How do you put it in layman's terms to friends and family when they say, what do you do for work? Um, actually, I do say risk management. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the way I always try and say, because I say risk management, I think everybody automatically thinks health and safety. So I sure. like you say, I always say planning for success or if someone's spending a lot of money on something, we tell them what could go wrong. Yeah, no, I'm always interested to hear what people say when they, um, when that question gets asked. Cool. Okay, perfect. So I guess jumping straight into the, into the myths then, Chantel. So what would you say throughout your career you found to be the most common myths the general public might have with, with risk management? I think the fact that, I think that when you say risk management, the, the mind goes to the image of somebody close in an office with lots of paper, a uh, cup of coffee, and um, doing numbers, a very analytical person, a very isolated person that looks at the statistics on its own. Um, and I find that this, that is quite far from reality. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I do understand where that came from because I, uh, originally risk management was the actuaries and mostly around insurance company to try to, and in this case, they really need to nail what is the likelihood and what will be the consequences. Um, however, risk management has moved. And even if there is still a group portion of risk management that works with insurance companies and are, their main job is to do that part, it's just a little section of the whole industry. And I will say that most risk managers is quite the opposite people who are talking with as many people as they can that they have an immense curiosity yes they still have to have analytical skills yes they still have to sit on the computer and do models to understand uncertainty um but that's just a part of it it's not the main part and uh, i remember i see i see risk management now more as an orchestrator Okay. Somebody who will um, put together a team and um, define, okay, you will do, it's not that the risk person will define who does what, but it will ask the questions. And by asking the question, the team will define who will do what by when. Yeah. And orchestrate out that effort. And I remember once I had the, I have workshops and also I have risk reviews with the risk owners or the risk action owners. And I try to do it as um, interesting as possible. And I remember once somebody told me, you know what, telling you everything that's going on and all my worries about the uncertainty around everything, I feel like I'm, I'm more light today. I feel like almost like if I went to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that a couple of times, funnily enough, actually. I'd be quite interested to hear from your perspective, Chantel. Obviously, I know sort of said a lot as common misconception that risk specialists or risk um, risk professionals can be quite antisocial, and like you say, quite analytical and perhaps a little bit introverted. Have you met many risk professionals in your career that 
they may solely focus on sort of the modeling aspects and stuff, or I guess, have you met many good risk professionals who have had that, that personality, who have just been introverts? Because from my experience, like I say, I think to be a, a completely fully sculpted risk professional, the human factor and, and it is so important, probably arguably the most important, but I guess I'd just be interested to hear if you've met many risk professionals who have managed to carve a career with that sort of personality. Slightly introverted. You, you can still do definitely, but I think it depends on what you do and where you do it, and uh, if you are part of a team or if you are the sole risk representative in your organization. So I will say it depends on that. And again, I said there is still a space for people that have a stronger suit around analytical and modeling and things like that. Um, it's just like it's not the single only option and. As far as I can, my experience goes, um, that percentage of people with the less uh, social skills, um, it's shrinking. No, I think because the reason I ask that question is I know there's 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 some organisations who will silo it into they'll have a department where you literally just have a group of risk modelers who just sit in a maybe in a dark room just modelling day in day out and they don't really have to interact with that many people. So I didn't know if you, if that was something you'd come across before. If if you think yeah, that's but again, I think it's mostly in the insurance companies. Yeah, and um, but then on on day to day organisations, not that much because the. The challenge is how you get the data. And that's where also probably risk management has potential to fail. Because if you have somebody that will not interact with others, they will not be fully aware of what's going on. Yeah. And therefore, your model may be lacking of things. You may be precise on a specific risk. What is the risk of rain, for example? Yeah, and might be very precise on what's the likelihood and what will be the impacts, but they didn't know about the risk of. Mm, let me see, the fact that now there is shortage of just as an example, tires, because they are not necessarily in tune with the rest of the team. Whereas logistic, somebody in logistics may be aware of that, but. Yeah they haven't been able to communicate that to the risk management program. Like you say, it's the danger of silos in some instances, isn't it? Correct. But no, yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. Thanks, Chantel. So just moving into, I suppose, a common myth that I, when we were sort of initially planning planning this episode and something that sort of came to mind that I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on as a, as a common myth really is, as a statement more than anything, being the risk manager is the person that manages the risk. So I think I'm sure that's something that that yourself and and any of the risk professionals who are listening at the moment will have will have come across at some point. Be interested to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, like there's this conception or expectation in many instances that oh you are the risk manager, perfect. So tell me what are the risks. So tell me what I need to do. What are you going to do about this? I'm like, no, you tell me what are the risks. <laughs> <laughs> So our, our endeavors is to create an environment or create opportunities or ask questions that will allow the team to share. Okay, this is, or even to be aware of, oh, actually, yes, this is potential risk. Uh, okay, yes, okay, yes, I will, okay. And they're joining the dots in their minds and in the organization. And then yes, to ask, okay, 
if we have the risk of shortage of tires, again, I'm asking, um, why? What are the causes? What will be the immediate consequences? And then tackle all of those elements. And then the team will decide who is going to do what by when. And we will, again, orchestrate. Yeah. After that. Exactly. Yeah, I think um, I'm obviously relatively well, I say relatively new into my, my career risk management sort of a 12 months in and, and it's not something that I've encountered personally yet but having spoken to a couple of the optimized partners they were they were really keen to hear your thoughts on that because it's like well your name your, your job title is risk manager so why are you not managing the risks but um like you say such a misconception yes. that I think it's I think it's important to address no but at that point yes we, we are managing it but we're not responsible for it and we yeah. will not come alone with the answer. And I think that that's where, and that's why it's, I find that this topic is very important because going back to the one of the first questions about was the first misconception of having the person alone, that's where that misconception comes of risk manager, meaning you will be responsible and able to manage everything on your own due to that myth. Yeah, perfect, amazing. Okay, cool. So. Um, again, moving into into the next point, Chantel. So, in terms of risk management, I think um, I don't want to speak on behalf of everyone, but some some people may have had experience with it, where risk management is also a bit like the party poopers, almost party stoppers. Whether that's from previous experience with risk with risk management, or if that's just the general preconceived conception about it, what would what would you how would you like to to sort of debunk that one that risk management risk managers are the party poopers? Yes, so I think that one comes from um, misconceptions, you know, risk, ooh, <laughs> that, and then, oh, risk managers, they will tell me not to do X, right? Because yep. automatically you think of risk management and you're thinking about avoiding risks, but uh, a proper risk manager is, will not necessarily say, oh, not be an overprotecting parent that will say, no, don't go out, don't breathe, don't eat, don't drink, don't take a shower. There's yeah. 0.1111% of... Uh, Wraps in bubble wrap, basically. Yes. Um, no, it's quite the opposite. And then I, I have seen some people that the series managers and say, what? This person takes some risk as well in their personal life. And it's all about taking calculated risks. What is the game? And then if we understand in this organization what could go wrong and if we can do something about it and decrease the chances, why not go for it, right? Uh, but that, that's a misconception. And also because in a point, risk management in organizations started um, with compliance-based standards. You need to do that. You need to do that. You need to do that. Da, 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 da. Big box, basically, isn't it? Yeah. So I think that that's where it started. But... Uh, the current version of risk management is quite the opposite is to empower the organization to pursue. Um, and of course, sometimes depending on the risk appetite, that's, and that's the key part is to define what's the risk appetite of the organization. Yeah, no, of course. I, th I think for me, and I was guilty of it when I first, start, when I first um, started my career is, is risk is always affiliated with threat. 
Um, I think it's just a preconceived that it's, oh, it's a threat. Risk is bad when obviously opportunities as well is, is such a huge part of our job is exploiting opportunities and, and making the most of those and, and exposing those. And I must, like I say, I must admit early on in my career, it took me a long time when going through hypothetical situations to go through my training that I'd just literally be identifying threat, 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 threat and neglect the opportunities completely. And I think that's probably, so, if I can do that, then that's probably a trap that a lot of people can fall into that might not have, might be quite immature in their organization from where risk management's concerned. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's a, I see it as an empowering tool. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, cool. So, um, so yeah, no, that's, that's really fascinating Chantel. So just moving on to a point that I guess I'd be quite, quite interested to hear your thoughts on really. So we took, we mentioned compliance a second ago, like a little bit of a box ticking inverted commas exercise and my next point really is around the sort of blind compliance versus intelligent applications so I think there's a perception or perhaps a misconception or a myth um tying into the uh, to the theme uh, that a company or an organization will that has or thinks that they have strong corporate governance and, and a robust internal control environment um, and that that protects them against most of the risks they face on a daily basis. So, for example, follow the procedures to the letter of the law and, and it will protect you. However, obviously, things change. The amount of effort it takes to manage a particular risk is proportionate, depending on its potential impact, which obviously differs in, in different circumstances. So I guess there's a couple of points to this question, really. So firstly, have you ever experienced this where people don't try and understand what the starting position is? in applying risk management in its, in its traditional application and, and maybe leaning on this blind compliance piece? Yes, yes. I think it's very tempting because it's much easier to do the compliance-based. <laughs> no doubt. It's easier. You quickly show, okay, this is the value. Everybody's going to do that. I don't have to talk to people, <laughs> you know, for those that have challenges with that. And uh, you don't have to update the risk register or your risk understanding in such a frequent way. But unfortunately, yeah. that's where the party stopper uh, reputation comes in. Yeah. Because, and I mean, I have to agree with them. Uh, when it's blind compliance, um, unfortunately, we are not, uh, we are, most of the times we're not helping the company because things change. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, do you have any sort of examples where, where you may have come across that in, in your career or even just in your daily life at all? Yes, actually, and I call it the risk management going wrong, but uh, I have two examples. Now I came to mind another one. Oh, amazing. The first one is a personal one. I, I do remember in one point in my life, I was in between jobs and um when you have time, what you can do is do some uh, online buying, right? Yeah. <laughs> but me be doing risk management, I thought, you know what? I want to maximize my money and I don't want to change my Canadian dollars in US with the ch uh, change that the credit card or the bank will give me because most of the time it's terrible, especially because I have uh, US dollars already changed. So I went to the bank to ask for a credit card to, and my intention was to use it online. And so I don't have to do um, any kind of uh, transaction in Canadian dollars. I can use it in US, US to US. And they tell me, okay, well, they check my file. I said, but right now you're not employed full time. No, I'm not. But have you seen my bank account? I mean, 
give me a $500 credit card. I give you the $500. I give you a thousand. I just need an instrument, a tool that I find that credit cards are um, better than debit cards to use online, right? Yeah. At least that's my, my analysis. And no, she was like, no, no, no. Can I talk to your supervisor? No, that's the rule. That's what risk management somewhere in the financial institution came about. If you are an employee, you are not worthy of credit. <laughs> but I have so much assets, I don't really need credit. It's such a perfect <laughs> example of blind compliance, isn't it? Computer says yes. no. <laughs> Computer says no, exactly. exactly. And um, my second example, and I laughed so hard when I watched that movie. Uh, the latest um, Johnny English movie. Oh, okay, I don't. Do you know what? I, I think I've watched the first one years and years when I was a kid, but I've not seen the most recent one. <laughs> so the most recent one they call Johnny English out of retirement, and he asks for a gun, and everybody looks like, oh no, nowadays we don't use guns, but okay, we will give you a gun. And the guy before giving him the gun looks into uh, his iPad. Okay, but. Uh, before I give you the gun, I need to complete with this form so around safety, and I need to inform you that this could cause bodily harm. <laughs> <laughs> Duh! <laughs> so risk management going wrong on going too far, that is ridicule. Exactly, yeah, and I think, um, like I say, it's a lot. I'm sure a lot of people will um, will empathise that. It doesn't have to be something that you've encountered in the day job. Um, with risk management, I think it's a good example, like you say, with the bank example and, and the uh, and the film example. It's like when you're speaking to someone, it's like they've literally got a piece of paper and they can't divert off it. Like they've got a script that they can stick to and that's it. They, it's blind compliance, like you say, the, the intelligent application would look in your example that you've got assets and in, as a matter of fact, yeah, of course you can have a credit card. But um, I, think, I think the um, analogy is quite important because I think risk management if it's used incorrectly, like you say, in, in some organizations will have that same level of frustration. Perfect. So if, I guess, from a, a changing of that mindset, then if you were to go into a, a particular organization that, that had maybe this, this slightly archaic blind compliance level of risk management, I mean, do you have any, any sort of thoughts on, on how to combat that? Yeah. Well, I will say it's about developing the risk management culture. Yes. And now it's hard. And I do understand that sometimes this kind of compliance, there needs to be a section of compliance um, because unfortunately I find that common sense is not common anymore. <laughs> so true. But you need to have avenues to, let's say an, exa an example of a bank to be able to escalate to somebody else that will have the discernment. Yes. to analyze the situation differently. So that's one of the solutions. But then on the risk management culture, I will say having these workshops, which are quote unquote time consuming, but it, it helps the team shape their way of thinking. Okay, what is the event? What are the potential causes? What are the potential consequences? And I see many organizations that they try to avoid going through that because it seems troublesome to detail all the potential causes of an event. But it's, it gives you so much material to properly address a risk because then you say, okay, what can I do to limit the likelihood of this cause? I can do this, 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 and that. And what about this? What about this? So when we have an detailed cause and consequence 
um, analysis, then doing something about it is quite easy and effective. Yes. And then through going through that exercise over and over again, as somebody of, that is part of the organization, you have the mindset. And then you say, okay, so why we have, then in the case of the bank, they will, the person will say, okay, so why we ask people to have, um, to be employed? Because that way we know that they have an income and because they have an income, they will be able to service their debt. Okay, but if the person, so the whole objective is to be able to service the debt. Yes, this person has so many, that many assets, they will be able to service the debt. They don't need employment. So that's where you help the organization develop the risk management mindset. 100%, yeah. I think, I think a lot of the time it comes down to the culture and attitudes, doesn't it? And, um, and again, a, a little adage that has been drilled into me since I started is context is king. Risk management is very subjective. It's, it's that it can't be a blanket objective view on how to look at things because then, like you say, you end up with these just doing risk management badly, as you said. Yeah. Or like um, I sometimes ask people just, uh, you know, in a conversation, water is good or bad? And most people say it's, it's good. It's good. And what about in a, in, in a flood? You still think that water is good? Yeah, that's such a good example. Yeah, I'm definitely going to steal that one. Context is king is is something that's really been pushed into me. And, and a lot of the times when I've sort of asked questions when I'm, I'm starting, my, when I'm going for my training and um, every, nine, nine, nine times out of 10, it comes down to it all depends on the context, all depends on the context. So, um, so yeah, no, thanks for that, Chantel. Perfect. Okay, cool. So I guess just, just moving on to the last point, really. So you mentioned... Um, in the previous point before, um, apologies, went off on a little bit of a, um, went off piece a little bit um, around potential efficiencies not being achieved. Did you want to go into a little bit more detail around that? Yeah. And also I have a point that I wanted to mention. Risk management also, I have seen that this quite focus on cost and a schedule. Yes. Like, oh, let's say we need to keep uh, this project needs to be on time and on schedule, on time, on schedule, which is great. But I think the next step for for risk management to really influence the, uh, the organization is to include other dimensions like safety, quality, reputation. Because what I have seen is like, if you don't take those criteria, have something to um, analyze and to assess a risk, then you, they could be risks that have low cost impact and low schedule impact, but has a tremendous reputational impact. Such so they point. might be dismissed. They will be dismissed by the system because you will say, well, if it has cost, low cost, low schedule, it's not a high priority risk where it could be a high priority risk. So I think that, that that's something too. Yeah, definitely. I think we, we touched on this a couple of times um, leading up to, to recording, didn't we, Chantel, sort of the world beyond cost and schedule. I mean, in terms of obviously underpinning those sort of impacts then, obviously like reputation and things like that, do you think that would, would solely be um, qualitative approaches that, that would sort of lead to that sort of conclusion, really? That's where it's so important, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yes, correct. Or semi-quantitative. So I, what I would like is to have analysis or an assessment on risk on different dimensions, um, even if they don't have a number value. 
And then when it does have a high cost and a schedule impact, then we go into the full quantitative analysis and the model building. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's a really good point. I mean, from uh, from other sort of potential efficiencies not being achieved, did, was, did you have any other examples there at all? Yeah. Uh, for example, to really focus on finding the true root cause. And that, again, is going back on why it's important to really analyze what are all the potential causes that you, you can think of. <laughs> they could be a very exhaustive exercise, but it, yeah. it, it does bring a lot of benefits and efficiency. It seems inefficient to put time into going to the, the causes, but that's where uh, the jewels are. Yeah. Um, there's also the importance of understanding your, I know it's, everybody talks about, oh, let's identify it and let's manage our stakeholders. But one thing is to talk about it, another one is to really do it. And I have seen in many instances where you have major projects or companies even, and they think about the immediate customer. Then the case of projects, it will be most of the time governments and they have give you a set of expectations. Okay, this is what we want the project to, to do. Yes. And we want the, the parks that are around the area looking like this. We want Wi-Fi on the train. We want this, we want that and at the time that you are about to finish the project you say no we cannot open the line because there's no wi-fi (laughs) (laughs) but if you were aware of all the stakeholders you will remember that the ultimate customer the user um what is their priorities and maybe the user will prefer open the line Uh, wi-fi can come six months later yes but it will really make a big difference in my journey uh, in my life to be able to use this new line. Um, so we tend to forget about the ultimate stakeholder, the, the, the user. Yeah. And when we evaluate risks as well and opportunities to have them in mind. So that makes it more efficient because they could be things that uh, we consider to be important but are not important for the ultimate user. Yeah. And therefore, some money could be um, saved or, or we can save time by not necessarily golden plated. That's the other thing. Sometimes some project, they will have a lot of requirements that are not necessarily needed. And therefore, it takes longer, it costs more, and then it doesn't bring the value for the ultimate user. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I think, um, I think we touched on, we touched on a few of those for our, didn't we around like culture and, and stakeholders and, and on all those sort of things. And, um, no, it's, it's, it's fascinating to hear your input around them because, um, like I say, I'd be interested to see what, what everybody else, when you have a chance to listen to this, will will think. And, and if we've, if we've missed any, or if you, if anyone would expand on any, but no, that's, that's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you, Chantel. And hopefully we've, uh, we've debunked a few for people listening who, uh, who may have had some pre-misconceptions about, um, about risk management, but amazing. So as, as I always do to, to round these things off, Chantel, I think a good place to finish really is, is just to ask you to give us or give yourself even a little bit of advice. So if, if you could have given yourself a piece of advice um, around your career in risk management um, that you 
know now that you didn't know then, what, what would that piece of advice be? Well, I think eight have a lot of patience. <laughs> and uh, why? Because there's still a lot of people, stakeholders, organizations that have preconceived ideas, just like the one that we have discussed. So it used to drain me to have to explain again, so what does risk management do? No, 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 don't worry. It's just, it won't be boring. My workshop won't be boring. <laughs> yes, we need to review it every month. <laughs> no, six months is not acceptable. Yeah. Um, or things like that. And um, I, I think it's to have a lot of patience, understanding, and um, continue persistence and focus on the supporters and not on the naysayers. I think that that will be because when I focus on the supporters and I focus on what did work, um, it's so much easier. And then uh, again, going back to the TV culture, at least when I was a child, there was a program called Turn the Cat. <laughs> <laughs> I know of it. Yes. And uh, one of my bosses used to say, and it always reminds it remained in my mind, it remained in my mind, uh, side beyond sight, right? And I think that that's risk management, side beyond sight. <laughs> love that. Absolutely love that. I think it's a great place to finish. Just touching on, on your last point there, sorry, Chantelle. So when you said sort of focus your effort, efforts on the supporters, um, do you mean sort of people in the organization who, who might be a bit of an ally to you and people yeah. focus, focus your support, your, your, your efforts on them and, and like you say, the resistance from the other people? Will, um, will hopefully start to thaw out if you've got somebody on side. Yeah, and when they see the results and when they see, okay, this is working and actually, oh, I hear good comments, you know, about this workshop. So, okay, let me come along and let me try it. Um, but yeah, it comes with time. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for that, Chantelle. Really, really appreciate it. It's been uh, been been a fascinating discussion and um, just very last point from me. So if anybody listening today would love to get in touch with you to um to sort of pick your brains on on anything around the the topic we discussed today or, or sort of engage in a discussion what would be the best way for them to get hold of you linkedin good stuff i'll um i'll put a, a link to your linkedin page in the podcast notes um in case anyone can't find chantelle on, on linkedin but um but yeah other than that Chantel, thanks so much for joining us. I really do appreciate it. Hopefully our, um, our listeners have enjoyed it as well. And, um, and yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you very much as well. No worries. Thanks, Chantel. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. And that's it for this week. If you enjoyed this episode of Riskologists, be sure to follow Optimize on all of our social media channels where you can subscribe to this podcast and be notified of every episode so you don't miss a thing. Please like, share and leave reviews to help support us and increase our reach within the wider risk community. And join us next time, where we'll be chatting with another leading figure in the world of risk. Until then, thanks a lot for listening and take it easy.